Welcome back. I'm Sarah here with Morgan. Hey. For out of initiative. Da-na-na-na. I can't do that every single time. That's gonna be really annoying, huh? <laughs> we can find some music. You don't have to. Do I don't have music. to be the music. I love that. You don't. Yeah, we could find some music. I like that. That's a good idea. So today we're gonna be talking about what got us initially into Dungeons and Dragons. Good old tabletop role-playing games and the way they impact our lives and how we're kind of, I'm just gonna say it, there's gonna be profanity in this, uh, and it's and you're just it's just gonna have to be okay. There you go. You've been warned. It's fucking great. We really fucking love it. <laughs> we really do. Um, Sarah, tell me, tell me everything about how you started in D&D. Okay. So I began playing D&D in high school, which I think is a common theme. A Mm -hmm. lot of people, kids get into it. Um, I was a sophomore, junior. I played it for two years. Uh, how I got into it. I didn't even know what it was. Uh, my boyfriend I was dating. I didn't even know. He told me what it was. I thought it was a video game. Um, there was also the Warhammer. You know, people. Mm, yeah. Warhammer. I thought it was maybe something like that. And they had all the minis. You know, yeah. Had, like, oh, painted we've got hundreds and hundreds. Boxes and boxes of them that your dear sweet brother, who I married, uh, has at our home and has not touched in years. And so I was a little intimidated because... First of all, you have to have all these minis. Like, you have to buy all of them. And being 15 or 16 years old, I didn't have a lot of disposable income. Right. And second of all, it was so... Warhammer was so military-based. And I wasn't really into that. I didn't think that sounded very fun. Um, and then when he started explaining to me kind of what it was, he basically just gave me the um, player's handbook. And at the time... So it was 2000, uh, 3rd edition came out. So I think that was the book he gave me. I was kind of earlier looking up the images. I just remember the way the book looked. Yeah. Um, and he, then he gave me the Monsters Manual. But I think that was like second edition. Um, most of the books that I acquired, I got from like Goodwill. Um, thrift stores. Again, broke teenagers. Yeah. Right? And the fact that I could find them back then was just amazing. I look back on that. Like I was just very... That's true. It's a different time. That would know? not fly today. <laughs> no. And it wasn't at the time in high school, very, very few people played it. Um, my boyfriend played it and he had two of his friends that played it. And I kind of sat in while they played a few times and we didn't do battle maps. I think we did like notepads and just kind of roughly sketched like the dungeon. It was very, there was no markers like every five feet. That that didn't exist. Um, And so I sat in as a player, uh, made my very first character. You ready for this? Yes. (laughs) A half-elf ranger. Oh, that's so sweet. She was amazing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I did not um, run forward at all because I had like eight health or something. I mean, the hit points were so low. Yeah. Yeah. but back then with uh, third edition and even second edition, you rolled up your stats 
and then there was only so many characters you could play. So if you had a really low strength, you couldn't play a barbarian. You couldn't play a fighter. You had to do a wizard or uh, um, like a ranger or whatever. Or your uh, alignment was a big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, barbarians cannot be lawful. Or um, what was the other? The like paladins had to be lawful good. You couldn't. You had your alignment was so strict on what class you played same with um like races there were certain races you know and so you'd roll up your stats and you're like well i have a low intelligence i guess i gotta be a barbarian like even if you really wanted to be a wizard oh how sad it was it really was and i didn't know any different you don't know any different right right? you just like oh okay well i guess that's what i am um there's also very limited uh races you didn't have like nowadays, Aarakocra and Asmar, like that didn't exist. None of those existed. Um, and so we played and we'd take a Saturday and we'd play all day. It was oh, like yeah, seven, yeah. Eight hours, like very intense. Um, and then after a few times, I'd say a month or two of that, all three of them um, wanted to play and they wanted me to DM because they felt like they all took turns DMing and you know, they and you weren't pulling your weight, man. You're not playing Apparently, your weight. They were like, oh, you've played enough. You know how to do this. <laughs> I was 15 or 16. I was like, yeah, I can do this. And so they gave me like the DMs guide. And I was very overwhelmed. Very, very overwhelmed. Because um, there were so many rules. And back then, there was even more. Yeah. Third edition like, was rules. pretty rocky. Pretty rocky. It was, yeah. And I... I know I was terrible at it. I know I didn't call him out and anything. I know it. Um, but we played and I just all of a sudden realized that as we were, um, we didn't have modules. Eventually I did um, discover modules. I went to a comic book store and they had some used like, you know, five yeah, pages yeah. in a little. And I the was booklet. like, oh my gosh. Yeah, the booklets. And I was just so excited that someone had already wrote this and I could just follow it. And, um, it had all the monsters and it had all the stats and everything. And that was life changing. But before that, I just literally improved. I did not plan anything. I did not the nothing. It was, it was they're in a forest. They find an abandoned castle and they fight things. Like I just, it was 100% improv. That's amazing. And they loved it. They loved it. Yeah. I mean, no. Yeah. So um, that was really fun. And that was very eye-opening to just that freedom and that flexibility that D&D has over like video games. And um, I played a lot of video games growing up. And I think that kind of helped because you kind of know um, how the story should go and that kind of thing to keep tension and yeah. everything. But it was just... It was it was very eye opening that it was so free that I could just put whatever I wanted in front of these characters in front of these players and they they loved it they thought it was great. Um, eventually, me and my boyfriend did break up. Um, he took all of my D and D not not to be you know whatever like he wasn't trying to be mean. I just happened to leave it at his house. So we broke up and I never went back and got it. And no. Yeah. Uh, I had one set of dice. I had <sighs> one set. Pink, hot pink that glowed in the dark. Um, so that tells you, like, I don't know. Is dice hoarding a new thing? Because back then, I think he only had, like, one set of dice, too. I feel like, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like there were fewer, there was like less selection, right? Like it was very like, which of these generic plastic dice yes. would you like? And you're like, yeah. oh, I would like the red one and I would like the blue one. And like, they weren't that cool. They were fine. They were like, they're business, right? Like they were yeah. like, they were like a Honda Civic. It's there to get you from point A to point B. If you want to right. duck it out, that's fine. But like, you're right. that's not how they come. They just had the little sets and it was like primary colors. Yeah. And that was it. And my pink ones, they just glowed in the dark. That's pretty um, cool, though. It was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. So then, yeah, after we broke up, he kept all the stuff. And um, I just kind of never really picked it up after that. Um, back then, our comic book store um, had been ran by the same family for like 30 years. And it was not um, the most accommodating to young women mm. um and so i went into it accompanied by my boyfriend and that was okay but after that i never really felt comfortable going in by myself um i could but i just was like kind of just moved on smash cut to we drag you into the comic book store in uh olympia washington we drag you all the way amazing. like everybody makes a drive to get there and olympic cards and comics is incredible run by a woman an incredible woman and uh really just incredibly an, welcoming oh yeah just incredible incredible like an inclusive happy place and it's like nice to see that we've come so far and also like gosh what a bunch of bullshit we had to go through before i ended up buying a lot of my D&D like other modules and stuff on eBay. Yeah. Because I just did not want to I you know the one comic book store was just it wasn't the most welcoming. And I know how much so. you enjoy social interaction especially with strangers. So Of course, that's definitely a factor, right? Yeah. Yeah. So eBay, I got a lot of that. Um so then yeah, that was just kind of my experience in high school. So it was like 15 years after that or you know I don't want to say my age but it's been at least 15 <laughs> years and then um my brother your husband um I knew he was playing D&D and just thought that was really cool that he was playing it again and um one thing led to another and you invited me and now we've been playing for Two over two years. Over two years, because you and I started in a two-person, a two-player campaign that he was yeah. running, um, Sinister Secrets, and oh my gosh, what was the second half of the title? I don't know. We were we were playing Fandolin. Yeah, Lost Minds of Fandelver. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we jumped all the way to fifth edition, uh, and it's just you and I. Yeah. And it was before we were really comfortable a with the rules of the five uh, e and b role-playing in these characters and now i feel like if you and i went back to do that campaign again it would be like he wouldn't have to do anything we would take care of all of it yes so how did you get your start so i started it must have been college because i feel like i heard I, I've, I've told you about this a little bit. I had a high school boyfriend who had many nerdy interests that I probably would have been interested in, but I'm like, I don't know, super obstinate. So I like refused to learn these things. Um, and then in college met your brother who um, like treated me super nice and like was interested in what I was interested in. And uh, he was so cool. Like I wanted to try the stuff that he 
you know, that he liked. And he invited me over to this to visit this friend. Uh, they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. It was 3.5 at the time. And uh, they were like, you know, 3.5 E is like kind of a little more rules light compared to third edition, which was really a slog. So I'm like, OK, trying to get all the backstory on this game before I've even started playing it. Um, we played... I don't think that I ever played a, a game of D&D that was not an, like a six to eight hour session until just the last mm -hmm. couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, it, there was this sort of expectation that like you show up at the table, you're going to like pee into a bottle if you have to, like yes. here are your snacks, you're going to buckle down, you better put your phone on D&D &D because like we're not, we're not having interruptions. And it was just this very like hyper intense, to be fair, this friend who we play D&D &D with now, Chris, uh, was not that way when we played with him and his brother. Um, and there were a couple other people there as well. But uh, we played a little bit and it passed in a blur and I remember being like really fascinated and so confused. And uh, Isaac, uh, you know, then boyfriend, now husband, uh, said he, that he wanted to, like, kind of dabble a little bit more. And, like, I had a cousin that she was kind of interested in, so was her husband. And we had, like, kind of some other friends that, like, maybe would come in and out. And we would play... Like, we would get together on, like, a Sunday, and we would play for, like, eight or nine straight hours. We would, like, order food, and we would hang out. And it was, like, a, it was, like, a real event. And we're all like not terribly social people. Like I don't have a lot of social energy to give. I'm not an extrovert, so to speak. Um, I'm a situational extrovert, I think is what they call us. I still don't fully believe you because... <laughs> <laughs> I recharge alone. <laughs> <laughs> which is important yeah i can do the like i can turn it on for a little while um mm -hmm. and then you know you gotta go home and cry a little bit doesn't everybody do that i think yeah i think that's normal um and healthy so. that's the issue i mean with the D, D sessions that we did it was yeah six seven eight hours oh. and they were so intense even though you're having a blast uh you you really it's so intense and um i do like our structure now yeah. with the three hour window. Um, something Isaac, my brother, your husband mentioned was that he felt like the three hour window almost is a little bit too short on purpose mm -hmm. because it kind of leaves us wanting more. Um, and cause it always feels like right when we end, like, like one more hour, one more up. hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like just one more hour we could do this. And he's like, he always thought that was, a big appeal because it really brought us back because it would leave on such a cliffhanger. So yeah, week over um, week. Yeah. And then the three hours, because most, most of us are married, almost married and yeah. in our group and we have busy work schedules and lives and everything. And so we can just fit these little windows in. Um, and it's just great. I actually think that being like grownups that are trying to just like keep being an adult and like functionally run a household is the reason that we were able to get into this game so consistently because I really think that that stigma of like it has to be a six to eight hour session had been really like drilled into my brain and yeah. I, I don't know where Isaac got it from because he was kind of feeling that way too I had like a I had a co-worker um and and they were running a game uh, that was like really a big time commitment. We've, I've had like a couple of people who we've like dropped into games and they'd be like a really big time commitment. It's that same like, boy, by hour six or eight, I'm really tired. I don't have anything left to give you and yeah. I have to work tomorrow. So mm -hmm. I kind of have to figure out how to recharge to go back into that because I haven't always had like really fun, wonderful jobs that I love getting up in the morning for. Um, I mean, who has? 
but like we had that like so drilled in and this this person this this colleague was like really really set on no you you have to be 100% present and i would try to check out and it like offended this person deeply offended this person uh and i got to the point where i was like i don't want to be at your table anymore and it was really i'm such a non-confrontational person that i was very like it was so hard for me to be like i don't want to do this and uh isaac was like now nah, we're just going to not go anymore it was like irish exit like we're out uh like nah we're just good um but so we stopped playing that game we kind of kept picking up games and trying other things and kind of coming and going. And then when he wanted to play again and was just really frustrated with this, like, we keep doing these eight hour games and we all get tired. And finally, one day he was like, let's call my sister and see, do we want to just like play just the three of us? It's just a smaller group. We'll pick a shorter time slot. And I think that that's where he started the three hour nine to noon Sunday morning nerd church as the time slot is now referred to within our friend group. Uh, I think that's where the name it's such a good name. It's perfect. So we attend nerd church on Sundays uh, and funny coming from the two of you who were raised by the Jewish lady. uh, So funny. Um, But so nerd church every Sunday, not Friday night. uh, And we play for just three hours. And then like that formula really started to work. And then he and I like I just had a wild hair. where I was just really obsessed with the idea of doing more storytelling and wanted to run my own game. And, and so he was just like, OK, well, like, absolutely. I support you 100 percent. Here are the tools that you need. And I was like, I really want to just like dabble in it a tiny bit before we really commit to running a game. So I ran him in like a one-on-one, like one shot for like, I don't know, an hour, maybe two uh, with this character Baron that he plays now. And uh, we had this like brief interaction and I like was bit. I was just like, I have to keep doing this. You cannot stop me. And I started the game that we're playing now, I think two weekends later. Um, And it's actually funny because we did this little one-off one shot and then decided that we wanted to play and this was all before the panini that we're in now um and we were visiting people in person and we got together with a coworker, my coworker kyle and then my cousin's husband brandon who both were like yeah we would love to play with you um you and i sarah had the sunday game going so we were like okay every other sunday i'll run this other game because we were thinking all of these people don't want to play every single sunday that's too much to ask so I met with Brandon and Kyle, and uh, though he, those two plus Isaac were going to be my my group. And then we happened to go visit Chris again. So the person who we played, I played D and D with for the very first time. We happened to go visit him and his uh, now fiance. We were down visiting uh, them, you know, for like his oh, it was his birthday because it was two years ago. It was two years ago this yep. weekend <laughs> that we were yeah. down at his house, and I was yep. like, oh, I'm just kind of casually like, oh, hey, I know you play D and D. We've played a we played a bit before. We're starting this game. And he's like, I want to play. And I was like, well, actually, we're probably going to be online at first because I'm more comfortable with digital tools. So, like, sure, join us 9 a.m. and like. Uh, he's kind of the friend who's like really known for not texting back, right? Like he's the kind of friend who you're like, hey man, how, what's up? Are you good? Like, are you alive? And he's like, yeah. But when you're like, oh, what do you think of like the Neil deGrasse Tyson special that just came out? He like, he'll reply, he'll reply when he wants to reply. Uh, so I was just kind of like, oh yeah, he'll, he'll come. It'll be fun or, or he won't. And that's fine too. 
Um, he made a character. He really committed to the bit. He wanted to be a kobold who had like seen some shit and like he got really excited about this build. And then that next Sunday, I had four players instead of three. And then uh, we wanted to play that game more often. So I was like, well, let's pull Sarah into that and we'll roll everybody up into this one campaign. And then we brought you in like just a couple months later. Like not very much time had elapsed. You had already joined for like a one off by that well, point. I think you were playing and I at the time didn't feel comfortable joining a big group because I was still learning. Right. I, you know, I'd taken such a big break. And so with Isaac and just you, I felt like I could still, I could figure out things, the rules before just jumping into a big group. Um, and so it was great because it gave me, you know, what, six months, four or five, six months yeah. to at least not look like, total fool total <laughs> newbie i think yeah. you joined us for like one session i want to say it was november because what happened was i had like this character that i had built for the one-off with isaac in the very very beginning who i absolutely love and still do elvira who and i had she was kind of the like impetus of this whole campaign and then you were saying that you, she was a tiefling and you had a tiefling in mind that you wanted to play for this one-off. And I was like, oh, let's make them sisters. That'll be really fun. And then that has kind of like spun into this whole like other thing that <laughs> has become uh, their like dysfunctional family. And it's like ruining the entire coast of Faerun, yes. um, which yeah. I love. But yes, we, yeah. got, we got you brought in and like. Now we're here playing every Sunday and instead of me just running every Sunday, because some of the issue that we ran into before was DM fatigue, right? Yeah. Whether it's an eight hour session or a three hour session, every single week was kind of a lot. And Isaac still wanted to run some games. So he was like, well, let's just trade back and forth. So we were doing your and my campaign one Sunday and then this other campaign that I've dubbed the plushies. Uh, and then he, we rolled you into the plushies and then obviously, uh, our other campaign stopped or is on hiatus. I don't know. Maybe we'll come back to it at some point. Maybe I would like that. And then but I, yeah. Yeah. We were doing, it was every other week, mm -hmm. every other weekend. Yeah. And I remember at the time think that weekend in between was just like, Oh, I wish I was playing D and D. I wish it was a D and D weekend. And when Isaac mentioned, hey, I want to start another campaign so we can play every weekend, just rotate. It was immediate. Everybody, everybody in the group immediately. Yes. Yes. The whole like, group was... coughed up their Sundays. No problem. Yes. And I just I love that the energy. We were just like, yeah, because we have these bye weeks and none of us. <laughs> like, and everybody's depressed for a whole Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And I think going every two weeks, too, we forgot a lot of the story. Yeah. We forgot a lot about, you know, the momentum goes away. Um, and at least this way, it's a little bit quicker. Um, that kind of thing. So that was that was great fun. From the story crafting uh, kind of standpoint, something that I think is really fun that we've done that I would absolutely recommend to DMs who are trading off. This is obviously we're in kind of like a niche situation. We live in the same house, like this little peninsula desk between us is shared between the two of us. Like we spend all of our time together. We both work remotely. Um, so we're able to share story back and forth, but we do both have stories taking place on the same continent. We were both on Faerun in Wizards of the Coast generated content. Um, and he's running a module and I started in a module and then hated that and wanted to just write my own content with all the backstory and stuff that's already there. So, um, all of our stuff is happening in canon at the same time. 
which is really fun because the campaigns often like reference each other. Um, I even mm-hmm. like put a note, I think, in our outline today that was like, oh, and if we get to it, like maybe we, maybe we do some DM spoilers because I was like, ooh, what kind of hot tip, hot, hot takes or like moments could I share? That would be like just a little a little tidbit from something that's happening in behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And since we're still actively in this one campaign, um, as much as I want you to reveal things, you're going to have to be selective. Absolutely. I'm working on this homebrew that's going to come up. So secrets. So we could talk about stuff that has happened already um, in your homebrew as far as like, you know, down the line, you think that's going to come back to there's this one thing there's this one thing that's come up and no one's pulled the thread and isaac and i both know about it and it is driving me nuts because this character keeps coming back and this is gemini she's come back a couple of times she is a wood elf paladin who serves tear she's a realm hero which is a made-up title that i gave to this area she was chosen by tear and she has told you guys here the god of uh he is lawful and he's not war it's like justice i'm pulling he's very eye for an eye and i'm really just pulling from memory here so i i guarantee if there's a comment section wherever this goes i'll be corrected i don't have a pair of ovaries for nothing fairly well known yeah he's a he's a big deal uh he's kind of a he's part of the primary pantheon i think um at least in 5e and he has uh one he's missing one hand i think he's missing one eye too in some depictions but that's neither here nor there gemini the character also is missing one hand uh and uh there she's the realm hero uh so each uh they're like seven or nine major gods that I picked that I each selected a realm hero and a protector and they assigned each of their protectors to one another because there's this calamity coming and like this is what our whole campaign has been working towards so that's not a surprise but what we don't know what the group doesn't know is who the protector for Tyr is and Gemini has given you all enough information uh, but it references something outside of the plushies campaign so i just keep hoping that someone's gonna pull the thread or because we record our sessions for our own posterity not to share but just for ourselves to reference i keep hoping that that's gonna come up but the thing she mentioned which i know for sure i saw you writing it down although i've said that before and you were like no i was writing a grocery list um (laughs) no it's D&D related, it's, but it's usually nonsense notes. Probably it's, like rolled yeah. a nine is not hot, would not bang. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but I think it, I think that the the like tidbit she gave was before we were recording our games. And that's uh, yeah. making me a little crazy because um, the hints have been the hints have been vague. And I've been like, Isaac, we have to just tell them. So anyway, that's yeah. the thing that's on my mind is just Gemini. And I love um I really love having the party that's so invested in our story and I it like really compels me. It's like it's like if we were releasing um our books like Brandon Sanderson style like a chapter at a time for people to review as you're going cuz like if you were that clean of a writer like I would too. That was a big long tangent to say I love having a group that's invested in the story every week. 
because it helps me shape the direction. I very firmly believe in being a DM that crafts the story with the party. Like they should be the main characters. And I think that the story should be about them and they should help you build it and craft the world. Like they should have an impact on things. I think that's the point of the game, in my opinion. And um, I just, I love having your guys' input every week. And sometimes there are tidbits that you don't get. And it's just like, oh no, ah, I guess I better like stop worrying about it or just tell you. Because if it's important to me, I have to say something. Because if it's not important to you guys, you're not going to notice. So real quick, what... You could give a vague with DMing. We both have some experience DMing that uh, it doesn't have to be like specific situation, but what's something with DMing that you wish you could implement more or um, more from the DM standpoint um, improve on? I think you sent a TikTok to Isaac and I recently that we both like paused to like break it down and like talk through it because we it's had so many good ideas. And one of the things that this gal was saying in the TikTok was uh everybody should have meta magic options and and or fighting style options if they're more of a martial class. And I am obsessed with this idea because I think that one thing that's missing is and we hear this from our friend who plays a monk who, you know, feels like sometimes he just doesn't have anything he can do. Like, I guess I punch. And like, that sucks. Nobody wants to, I guess I punch, right? Um, so I think that like the idea of incorporating uh, more options while also enhancing the classes that would be sort of air quotes, losing that uniqueness by uh, having that be available to other classes like working with them to make them feel special and they should still have an edge over everybody else in say sorcerers and meta magic but also like i i want to have more options so like being able to like duplicate a spell uh to be able to twin a spell like would be really freaking baller for a lot of other classes and um i i i would love to see i would love to see more of that how about you what do you what do you want to see well as far as like Running either as a player or DMing, um, I one of my ultimate goals is the they talk about what are you supposed to have five or six encounters a day? Oh, it's too many, (laughs) something like that, right? And that you know they don't have to be fight encounters, but I feel like so much of um, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons is geared towards that. You are having to either use your strength or you're having to um, dodge something or fight something. And if you could have, if I feel like if I could incorporate more encounters that are puzzle or problem solving um, along with the fighting. So for example, like they're crossing a bridge that's slowly crumbling and then you have like a time limit, like in four turns, this will collapse. So you have four turns and so, like, you're still doing initiative, but they can, like, plan ahead that I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then see, have them roll. Um, just to kind of make it um, different, different, different encounters. I also really want to try and implement more of um, the improvised weapons, having all their yeah. weapons go away. Yeah. And force them to, like, look around. Like, is there a stick? Is there a rock? Is there, you know, like, really push them to um, just start thinking about 
that kind of stuff. And that's, it's tough. It's tough. Cause you're like trying to, um, keep the pace going and, right. um, you know, you have the time limit like we talked about. And so you don't want it dragging for them spending 20 minutes looking for something. And, um, I, I feel like a lot of, in my DMing style, I give a lot away um, and I don't know if that's right or wrong or I don't think there I, is a right or wrong on that. No, but you know, nobody's complained. Like yeah. you're telling me too much, but I just, I feel like there's such a, and we can discuss about this at, at nauseum. Oh, yeah. Um, the perception, everybody for the most part can see what's in front of them. They, you know, it's the zeroing in on something that's different or something that's moved or um, that kind of thing. And so I feel like with like perception checks, I just don't do them very often um, where I know a lot of DMs, like it's a lot of perception checks. So um, yeah, I don't, I feel like there's certain, and maybe cause I started it like third, <laughs> with third edition, they didn't really have a lot of, I mean, they had like appraisal and they had like all these specific things where we they've kind of condensed it now we're like insight where i think they had something like no knowing if someone is lying was a specific role um and now we've condensed it down um that kind of thing so yeah i don't know i feel like i just less checks because i feel like it moves them along and they don't get frustrated people don't get frustrated as easily i gotta so. i gotta say i've got a hot take related to this and this is based okay. on this is based on some, you know, other people that we interact with within this sphere. I don't, don't punish me for asking what my character sees, especially if you prompt me to make a perception check and I roll low. Um, mm -hmm. If my character is supposed to see something, if I, the player, am supposed to know something, you should tell me. Don't yeah. gate it behind a check that I can fail, because let me tell you what, the dice are going to screw you over nine times out of ten. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's DMing. We should, I feel like we should do a whole session on DMing, but they talk about if they're supposed to find something, they need to find it. Like if they're supposed to find the key, you need to let them find it. And if they roll, keep rolling garbage, you need to figure out how else they can find it and discover it. Um, and that's, I mean, that's part of the challenge of of DMing and, and still making it interesting and, and still a challenge, but not ultimately you know, that you don't want to get frustrated. So I also think this applies to puzzles because I think many of us like to throw puzzles in, love the idea of puzzles. I've played with a lot of DMs who get really excited about puzzles and they can go one of two ways and it's never the right way. They can either be a puzzle that I, the player look at and understand have seen before or can solve quickly faster than the DM hoped and that can really frustrate DMs who were hoping to really kill some time with this. Um, and then, well, does your, but does your character know that? Don't do that. Um, and the other way is it's too hard of a puzzle and the players themselves can't figure it out. And I've played with DMs who like, uh, they throw a puzzle out and when the party can't figure it out, like they kind of like, they're really quick to sort of blame the people for not figuring it out. And you're, yeah. you're rolling crappy. You're not going to figure it out. Guess we're just going to sit here till you guys can solve it. And like, if there's one thing that I cannot handle, it's being made to feel stupid. Like, no, can't do it. Can't do it. So like, don't, don't penalize the group for it. So I find that I only write puzzles where 
whatever the player's solution is, they're going to put their heads together, they're going to try something, and maybe it's a stupid idea, and, like, maybe it's, like, nonsense, but, uh, so they might need to take a couple runs at it, but basically, long long story short, it was really, really rambling, but, um, I think that whatever the players try should be the right answer. Like, stop making puzzles that have one singular hard and fast number output that you must come up with, otherwise you fail. Um, that sucks. No one likes that. Still well, I, a game. I mean, that's ultimately, I think, the appeal of Dungeons & Dragons is... Our characters are not normal, average people. You know, we are we are immersing ourselves into a different world. If we just want to be regular people, like, we don't need to play. And so if you're playing a wizard with 18 intelligence or 20 intelligence, they're going to notice stuff that you as a person in your real world would not notice. You know what I mean? You're, pay you're playing someone that's super highly intelligent. And that's the thrill. That's the excitement. Um that you get to pretend to be someone that's extremely intelligent or extremely strong. I just want to uh, pretend to be smart for like one day. Really smart. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> so yeah, no, and I get it. And there's memes all over the internet about kindergarten level puzzles that yeah. people can't solve. And um, yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's a delicate balance. Cause yeah. you want to, I, you want to incorporate some, but then you got to have fail safes if, if they're struggling, how, what else can they do, um, to trigger it and to help give them a clue. If we're sitting around the table looking at a puzzle and no one's having fun, the puzzle can be over now. Exactly. I feel like that's. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, this was great talk. I learned all sorts of things about how you got into D and D that I didn't know. And I, I can't believe we even talked more about this. I know it was great. I love it. We should we should like talk more about D and D. We should like let's do this again. Okay, so go roll some dice, tell some stories, and we will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Out of Initiative a podcast from Merely NPCs. For more from Sarah and Morgan, visit MerelyNPCs.com or follow them on Instagram at MerelyNPCs.